Uh, like Mike said, we are in a series. The, today is week two. And, and, and it, we're still at that 30,000 foot view. We're, we're going to zoom down. We're going to get down to, okay, let's, let's put some tangibles to this whole thing. Let's, let's move this thing forward. What does it look like for me? How do I, how do I be involved with, with on a large scale, the mobilization of heights? So what we did was we took the teaching series and we took hands and feet and kind of, kind of ran them together through this five weeks. And so first two weeks are just a really big scope. Next week, uh, ascent begins Sunday night, and, and what Ascent is doing in this first week is it's connecting with hands and feet for their short-term team launches. So there's 10 teams going next year. Next Sunday night is the official. If you want to be involved, if you want to get information, you want to know how you can pray um, for what is going on um, from short-term or short, short-term team-wise from Heights, next Sunday night is, is here in this building. We also, to launch that, uh, do you guys know somebody called Justin Unger still? You guys still know Justin? Um, Justin will be here next Sunday night for a mini concert to celebrate the launch of those teams. Um, so that's going on in here. Um, Ascent was supposed to go three weeks. It's only going to go two. Um, so next week is the first. Then the following week, the reason it's not doing three is because your Cardinals are going to be in a big game, I hear. So... Um, we decided we probably shouldn't have it that week. So there's only two weeks for that, those of you that have been following um, the Ascent schedule. So we are in week two, and we are still at 30,000 feet. And last week we began with an app called Periscope. Now, Periscope has an interesting question that's asked. Periscope is designed to take whatever's in front of you, and they say, what are you seeing now? And essentially, by hitting a button, I can project what I am seeing to the rest of the world so that people can participate in my view of the planet, and, and it's designed that way. And so we talked last week specifically about what do I see, what am I seeing now, and if you really put that in perspective of the amount of eyes in this church and where you go, the places you go, the people you meet, you start to realize that the impact, the imprint that's left by us could have a really, really large outcome. So, so following like, what do you see? And just kind of framing up that we went into, okay, not only what do you see, but what could be out of that? What is the potential out of all the things that you see in a weekly basis? And, and so last week we, we were at this huge grand, all of us together moving forward. I want to do something because Periscope has another feature that if you tap the screen twice, it turns inward. Yes. Awesome. It's delayed, by the way. So, But the camera flips. There it goes. Ha, 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 ha. There you go. All right. So, so the camera flips the other way. And maybe this week, the idea is simply this. What do you see when you see you? Like, how do you frame up you? So, so going from the large last week, now we're zeroing in to you. What do you see when you see you? And, and then let me follow it up with the question of... Everybody there? What could be? What could be? When you see you, what could be? How do you frame up you? When, when you catch a glimpse in the mirror, when you think about your life, 
when you think about you specifically, what do you see? Because the way you answer the what do you see part will frame up the what could be part of you. And so today, I just want to stay at this 30,000 foot level, but looking at you. And what I want to do is just offer some thoughts of how do you shape you. Uh, if you have a Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 1. We started here last week. But Genesis chapter 1, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Somebody in the room will, will get you one. But Genesis chapter 1. And verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We, re- we read this last week, right? God blessed them and said to them, and we looked at this in detail, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every other living creature that moves on the ground. So, so the large idea is God creates, but... But maybe just grabbing out of there as we begin to frame up you that that the original intention with humanity is that there was an intent. That that when God creates these first humans, He instantly goes, I created you this way because there's an intention that goes along with it. Jump down to chapter 2, verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth And no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But the streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of what? Life. The breath of life. So, so we may, maybe what we could say just in the, in the, the front side of this whole thing is that God has an intent when He creates humans, there's an intent that goes with it, but the intent is everything that's been shaped, everything that's been formed, everything that's been put in motion is for the purpose of life. It's for the purpose of life. And maybe just along with that, the, the, just the realization that some of you, though you are breathing, you are not living. Some of you, a popular term is zombies, right? The walking dead. Like, some of you are the walking dead. Oh, you have breath in your lungs and you go through the motions, but you are not truly alive. And maybe something we just need to take on the front side of this whole thing is that when God put this thing in motion, when God designs this thing, when He shapes it, He goes, I have an intent, I have a purpose. And on top of that, one of the, the things that's all wrapped in is that you, that these humans would have Life. You see, depending on how you view you, depends on how you view life. Depending on where you see yourself and how you see yourself will depend on how you live. Carries on, it says, And a man became a living being, verse 8, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So, so we talked last week about this idea of work and take care. So God creates, he creates with the intent of life, he hands life to them, and, and then he tells them, Here is, here's what you are on the planet to do. He shares the intent with them. The intent is to join God in what he's doing and what he's about. 
And as they join God, as they move creation forward, because it was designed to move forward, they go to work. Now, now, why is this important? Because in framing up who you are, maybe taking from this, we just need to come to the realization. Let me, let me ask you a question. Let me put it this way. What is sacred in this first moment? Which part of their life is spiritual in this moment? All of it. Right? There's, there's no division between this part. There, there's, God's not telling them, hey, by the way, go to work, but then create a stage, get a microphone, and tell people about me. He doesn't say that. It, it, that's not part of it. What life represents when he says, this is my intent, here is life, the sacred and the spiritual are all together wrapped up in the human being as they go to what? Work. Now, the, and here's where it gets interesting, because if you think about, okay, he had an intent, he created them with intent, he has a design within that for them, he has a purpose for them, the way they meet that purpose is, if they are going to steward his creation and bring order in, and, and put it in a way that he intends to move it forward, they need muscles. Muscles are sacred. They're holy in this context. Now, Brad's a little more holy than mine, but... Muscles are holy, right? Because if they don't have muscles, they can't carry out what God has put in front of them. If they cannot physically do, they cannot complete the work of God that he has. Their their minds become sacred. Their minds are holy. Why? Because to order and take creation and figure it out and move it forward, they needed the ability to think. Your mind, your mind is sacred. That your mind has an intent that God had so that you can join Him in what He's doing. That you can move it forward. That their relationship with one another, the ability to communicate with one another and to God, that that this would be needed. The ability to be able to communicate would be needed so that they could work together to move it forward. You see, at this point, if you, if you begin to frame up you, you would have to say that the, the creation of humanity, which you're a part of, has an intent that life would be lived. And what's fascinating is that when Jesus came in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says that I came to bring life and life to the fullest. What he's doing is he's pulling it all the way back and he's going, hey, I'm restoring for you on this side, I'm restoring this original idea that there is an intent, there's a design, there's a purpose. And, and as you take all of you, all of you is sacred. And you are designed to be a part of this thing called life and move it, move it forward. John chapter ten, or 9. John chapter 9. The context is, Jesus is walking along with his disciples. And, and so just building on this idea of of the sacred and the spiritual were, were one together. The sacred and the spiritual. There wasn't somewhere these first humans went to be in a, in a sacred space. It was all sacred. Chapter 9 begins to frame a little more of this picture of what do I see when I see me. As he went along, speaking of Jesus, so as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So, so Jesus is going along with his disciples. They come to a blind man who's been that way from birth. And, and the question is, hey, 
Who did what to make God mad? Who did what to bring God's justice? Who did what that this man... And so what they're framing it from is that if something is wrong in their theology and worldview, if something is wrong, then someone somewhere ticked off God that he would judge, bring justice, and now this man is the effects of God's not happy with us. And so in their theology, it's this idea that this man's entire life now is a billboard to the negative context of God. This man's life has now become a billboard going, hey, if you, if you tick off God, he will get you. If you do something, he, w- he will bring judgment. And Jesus' response is, neither. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works, works is a key word, of God might be displayed, displayed as a key word, in who? In the man. Wait, 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 wait. So, so the works, works of God, are, are that which is the, the word for works is that which is normally done. So, so it's just, this is what's normally done, okay? So the work of God... The works of God, that which he normally does, is going to be displayed. Display is a key word. Displayed means that you are making something fully known. You are giving a glimpse of something that had never been seen before. So, so wait. The works of God, that which God normally does, is going to be displayed, is going to be put on display in who? The man. What, 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 wait. Because what's happening now is Jesus is going, all of this man is vital to what is happening on the planet and the display that God is putting forth. Here's the problem. So often when you see you, you frame it from a negative. You frame it from the negative perspective. What do I mean? You see your faults more than anyone else. You You are your harshest critic when it comes to you. More often than not, we, we know what's wrong with us. And often what we do is we frame our world around the insecurities, we frame our world around the negative, we frame our world around the, the failures, the sin, and so what happens is, what, what, the way we see ourselves from a negative slant becomes the box that we can't get outside of. So, so I could, I mean, how many times have you heard it? Oh, I couldn't go to church. Why can't you go to church? Oh, you don't know what I've done. Well, what they're saying is I'm framing up, I'm framing up who I am around the failures that define, that I see. You see, for this man, what, what's happened his whole life is people have framed him around what? This blindness, they framed him around this, this um, thing that he's living with, they framed him around the negative, and the negative has defined his purpose on the planet. So he's actually seen by everybody else from the negative perspective of what's possible. Jesus comes along and he goes, no, 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 wait a minute, you missed the point. The point is that all of this man is vital if you are going to see a fresh glimpse of God. Because this man, this man, as he goes through his day, God will do what he normally does. And as God does what he normally does, this man will now become a billboard. He will put... God on display in a fresh way and you might get the chance to see God in a way you've never seen him. You see how this changes, changes things, right? 
Because all of a sudden, when you see you, the things that you think aren't acceptable, the things that you think make you unworthy, the things that you see, maybe, maybe it's, it could be anything, right? That, you, that your mind is the one that's deciding what's valuable or not. But from God's economy, God's going, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I created you that way. I need, I need you to put me on display. I'll do what I normally do. Where? Through you. I will display to the world a new glimpse of me through humanity. That's what he's been doing the whole time, by the way. In the garden, when he puts them to work, what are they going to work for? They're going to work to display what? Who God is. They were reflections of him. So, so you get to this man here, and, and the world looks at it and goes, oh, you have that? Well, that's too bad. And Jesus goes, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. The works of God are displayed. They're going to be put, they're going to make a show in him. Let me ask you, what, what have you been holding? Or, or maybe a better way to ask the question is, what's holding you? What is that thing that you're like, I, this, this is something that I can't break away from? And what God's going is, I don't need you to break away from it. Just let me do what I normally do, and you be you, and we will display to the world a whole new view of who I am. Verse 4, as long as it is day, we must do the what? The works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He says, he says, you have work to do. Okay, so in the context of the work to do, it's God does what he does. We do what we normally do. And as we do that, because works is what you normally do, we have works of him who sent me. As you do what you normally do, it puts on display God to everyone. So, so with that concept in mind then, that God declares an intent, the intent is life, it is to live. Inside of that intent to life and live, there's this idea that, that you are to put him on display. There, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because Paul begins to describe who you are and the difference that Christ now makes. How, how, how this reality of Christ coming and, and when Jesus declares that I brought life and life to the fullest, Paul's kind of explaining what is that life, what is it like to live. So he says in verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. First of all, the motivation for life comes from Christ himself because we are convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who what? Live. So, so this is a passage about life. This is about bringing life. He says, those who live, those who are alive, those who are now flourishing out should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So it's, it's talking about that thinking that if this is true, what Jesus has done for you, then the way you view things, the way you view yourself has to change. The way you view others has to change. We don't regard anyone, including myself, we don't, we don't look at that anymore from a worldly perspective. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Now, okay, amazing revelation, right? The old is gone, the new has come. The problem is, 
some of the theology that some of you inherited or some of the theology that we, we tend to get the vibe of or, or maybe your mind has gone this way is this. That when you say yes to Jesus, right, you maybe showed up at church and you used a word and all of a sudden someone goes, you can't use that anymore. You met Jesus. Oh, okay. Um, well, you probably shouldn't wear that shirt to church. That doesn't really represent what Jesus is about. Oh, and by the way, by the way, when you sing, you probably shouldn't do that. Oh, oh, by the way, um, yeah, career choices, probably not that one. And it's not long before you start to get this feeling that when I said yes to Jesus, when I became a Christian, when I became new, what actually happened is, all of a sudden, everybody's getting getting pushed and pressed into this mold that, that all of a sudden we all start looking the same, we all start acting the same, we all start walking the same, we all start worshiping the same, we all, right? Because, because what can happen is we, we can take it and get the feeling that when, oh, when I was made new, I was really made, I was really made to look a whole lot like you. And maybe just a, a fresh way to grasp this, a fresh way to start looking at me is that when God made you, He had an intent. And from the John passage, he, he needs you to put Him on display. And when you get to this passage, the part that's made new is that part, when it says the old is gone, it's that part that was bent towards sin, that was bent towards self, that was bent towards you could only do it this way. That part is dead. It was crucified with Christ. And when it was crucified with Christ, what you were given, it talks about you were regenerated by the Holy Spirit, which means this. He hooked up a generator inside of you called the Holy Spirit that you can live. So what happens is this transfer that takes place is not him getting rid of you. It's him getting rid of the part of you that stopped you from being you. What he's done is set you free so that you can take your personality, you can take your likes, you can take all of you and now be infused to live. Because here's the thing, when you take who you are, he doesn't want to work in spite of you, by the way. He wants to work where? In you and through you. It doesn't say He wants you to sit on the side and He'll do it. He says all the way through Scripture, it's Christ in you, and then what happens is Christ flows out of you. He infuses who you are. He infuses. God didn't make you and then go, oh, that sucks. I wish you didn't have that personality. Right? I wish she didn't look like that. Right? No, God infuses all of that because He goes, when you choose to truly live, you display me in a fresh new way to the rest of the planet. Somewhere along the way, we got a confused message. Somewhere along the way, Christianity, like, like people stay away from church. And it's not because of Jesus, by the way. It's because they're scared that if they come to church, they'll end up looking like everyone else at the church. Slightly independent or creative, by the way, that's the worst message. That is not life, that is death. Because if you are slightly on the creative, slightly on the independent side, you are wired to be that way by God. And church, we need you to be that way. Because no one else can do that like you do. And I believe in a gospel that says when the new came, He wants to empower all of that. 
Because when He does, and when you live out who you are, the rest of the world all of a sudden goes, I never knew God was like that. Carries on and says, this idea of being made new. You guys alright, by the way? We good? Alright, good. Okay. Go cards. Okay. Verse 17. I told Brad last night, so, so we're texting during the game, and, and uh, I told Brad, I go, it's going to be a happy church tomorrow. Okay. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All of this is from God who reconciled, who made right, who brought us together, removed the enmity, who has, has brought unity and harmony, right? So, so all of this was reconciled, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry, the work of what? Reconcil- reconciliation. So your role, so he makes you new, he needs all of you, Right? Every piece of you. He doesn't want to get rid of it all. He wants to infuse it, empower it. Why? So that when you go out into the world, you are a part of what He is about. And what He is about is bringing reconciliation, making right, breaking down walls, tearing apart that which has enmity. And what He's about is making things come together. How long has the church been a place where we push things away? Church, I believe with all my heart that the ministry we've been given is one that takes every little quirky, crazy piece of you and when infused with God and He works through you, it joins things together, not pushes them away. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. He's given us a task. We, therefore, we are, therefore, Christ's what? Ambassadors. Okay, here's a fascinating term, right? Because if you think about an ambassador, right? They come, they're empowered by a king or a, a ruling authority. They're empowered by them to move to another location, another country that is not their own. And when they get there, they put on display what? What that country is like over here. Okay, now here's the interesting part. An an ambassador is not only an ambassador when he sits behind his desk. An ambassador is all of the person. It's when he goes to the golf course with his buddies. It's when he sits down for a meal with you. It's when you go in his home and see his family. What you are getting a glimpse of, what you would walk away with, is, okay, that is... That country, their values, what they are like, I know what they are because I've seen who? The ambassador. So, so when it gets to us in Christ, we are Christ's ambassadors. What we are saying is we have this ministry to make right. And as we go through and as we live, all of you, the things you like, the way you are. Why, why is it for so long that, that people look at the church and look at Christians and they go, hey, you guys believe this, but you don't do it. You guys say this, but you don't do it. Why would I want any part of that? What, what, what the truth that will change the world is that when we go, we are ambassadors, and every part of me, because it's all sacred, every piece of me, as I live out my life, is declaring this is what God is like, this is what He's about, let me put on display, let me show the world, this is God. See how it works? It's fascinating. 
You're an ambassador of Christ. All of you, every bit of it, is an ambassador of Christ. There's the last piece of this conversation. And I got inspired this week by a man named Philippe Petit. I'd never heard of him, never heard a story, and my wife came home with a movie and goes, I don't know, it looked good. The inspiration that flowed forth came from his story and what he accomplished. I'm not going to spoil it for you, so take a look. Did you, did you catch the part that it was like, if I see a beautiful place, I have to. There's something within me that was wired to do that. What is it in you that if you do not do it, you will not truly live? Because church, Jesus died that you may have what? Life. What is it inside of you? How are you wired? And here's the beauty of it. Everyone's going to be different. I love soccer. You don't even understand the rules. Right? But I love it. Why? Because inside of me, God put something that for some reason, kicking a bag of wind around a field brings this element that I can't explain other than to call it life. And so you know what? I do it. And now I'm old and can't do it as good. So now I coach others to do it. Because there's something within me that I just have to do it because when I do it, it's right. My wife, I don't understand it. I don't have this. But built within that woman is this beautiful desire, longing, purpose, intent that brings life to spend time with little children, shaping and nurturing and watching them take strides forward in coming to know this Jesus. But you know the Jesus they see? They see this woman that is patient and kind and loving. And within her, if she does not do this, she will not truly live. This young man right here, we joke about it. Everywhere he goes, music goes with him. Like, I'm not even kidding. We can be in a a meeting and all of a sudden a song plays on his phone. He's like, I just had to listen to it. Right? (laughs) Or we're sitting in the office and we're like, can you just stop playing an instrument just, just for two minutes so we can have a meeting? Because deep wired inside of him is God has put, make this noise. And you see, we had a conversation yesterday, actually. It was yesterday or the day before. Um, about this idea of we need to make music at heights. It doesn't matter if it ever goes anywhere. We just need to do it because God's put it in us. If, you're, if what is in you to bake, then bake all the sugary goodness you can. Amen. Because the common good will be happy. Right? If you, if you have this built-in desire to work with your hands, then create and create and build. Because we get a glimpse of God in you when you go to work. I don't have that. I break things with my hands. We begin to get a glimpse yet? We begin to see it yet? One last story. Elijah... He's a prophet in the Bible. 
Elijah comes to who is the king at the time? Ahab. He goes, oh, hey, 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 wow, that's fun to say. Um, hey, it's not going to rain for several years. And it turns out to be three and a half years. And at the end of 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah sends word to Ahab. And he says, I hear the sound of rain. It's coming. I hear it already. And then he sends his servant out. He says, hey, go up. Go, go look out on the horizon. Tell me what you see. And he comes back and he goes, ah, there's nothing there. And so he sends him again. On the seventh time, the servant comes back and he goes, I can see it on the horizon. It's the size of a fist rising. It's a cloud rising. And Elijah says, go tell Ahab, gear up your chariots and get out of here before it begins to rain. And then a heavy rain begins. You see, for Elijah, he, he's in the present moment, but he has heard the sound of the future and he pulls it to the present and declares it as it is here and it is now. He is a resident of the future. He's a citizen of the future living as a resident of the present. You are people of the future. You've seen the end of the story. It is reconciled. It is renewed. It is restored. You are a citizen of a kingdom that has a king. You know the end of the story. However, while you are a citizen of the future, you are a resident of the present. And you have been given the ministry to bring the future here and now. So let me ask you, what is your wire? What is it? What has God put inside of you that if you don't do it? And it may be crazy to everybody else. You know how crazy Philippe sounded saying, I'm going to stand on top of the Twin Towers on a wire. I'm going to stand between them. By the way, he was up there 53 minutes and laid down on the wire. You want to talk about stunning. Didn't make sense to anyone else. What is it? What has God put inside of just you? If it's to sing and you can't sing, then sing. Don't let your limitation decide what you do. You may be at the sixth day of looking and you're in between the sixth and seventh. Don't miss the storm that's on the seventh. But God wants to take all of you because He has an intent that as all of you infuses with all of Him, life springs forth. And the life that springs forth puts him on display in a way that you will be shocked, as well as the world around you. But church, what's your wire? One last thought. What do you see when you see you? And what could be? God, we love you. Thank you for a story we find ourselves in. Thank you for creating us in such a way, God, that when we grasp your story, the way it resonates inside of us sets us free. Galatians declares over us, it is for freedom you've been set free. God, would you help us to truly live? God, would you, would you burn on us what, what it is and how you've made us and the beauty of that and how even the parts we don't like, God, you want to take all of it. And you want to use it 
in such a way that the world sees you for who you really are. God, would you grant us the grace of seeing you in fresh ways in one another? Would you give us the courage to inspire people to push out in fresh new ways? God, would you give us the courage to walk on wires that you create for us? Thank you for giving us purpose and life and intent. And God, that even our failures become beautiful in your hands. We love you and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Church.